صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 ام اند Palestine and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Yusuf. Good morning, Nasser. Good morning, listeners. Gentlemen, how are you this morning? Roberto Gonzalez and Nasser Ahmed Al-Mashni. How are you guys? What a time of the week, huh? It refreshes all of us. We get uh, happy, but we have to get into some serious Well, look, news. the reality, Robert, you know, we have to start fun because, you know, you can't talk about Palestine sadly too often and have fun. So of another edition? Well, look, one of the sad things, we've just had the 50th child killed at the fence. So we've now had something, I think, 47 weeks in a row of um, uh, the residents, the prisoners of Gaza trapped in the world's open-air prison. Um, we said we'd never again allow for humans to be treated in such a way mm. after the Holocaust, after Rwanda. And what we're seeing now in Gaza, the perpetuation of uh, siege, the ceasing uh, of power supplies, the destruction of infrastructure, the unemployment, the UN saying Gaza is going to be unlivable 2020. Mm. 95% of the water is... Uh, Saline, it's too salty to drink, the uh, inf- rise in infant mortality, the unemployment rate, the just disaster, the catastrophe much, that is Gaza. Pretty much all parameters are on the wrong uh, well, side. It, it's, it's in sick. many years from now, people will talk back and say, how did people will look back and say, how were we silent? How did we allow that? How do we, how do we allow it? So we're coming up to one year. The people of uh, Gaza remain defiant, resilient, and will not... Um, will not give up on their just demands to return to their homes. So uh, our, our great uh, strength and power to them, and we acknowledge that steadfastness. That I think we should also mention, that, I know it's the 50th child that's been killed. There's been hundreds and thousands of people injured, and so oh, unfortunately there's going to be a number more die due to their injuries. The figures are horrifying. We're talking about more than 24,000 mm-hmm. injuries yeah. and nearly 200 uh, shaheeds. 250. 250 uh, people who were brutally killed. And let me just here provide a little bit a little bit of context. The beginning of the uh, Great Return March took place on the 30th of March 2018 on the anniversary of Yawm al-Ard, the Land Day. Land Day is a Palestinian national, a very important uh, day that is celebrated by all Palestinians and has been since 1976. So we might talk about the importance of the Land Day later, but they chose this uh, symbolic uh, Mm -hmm. day on the calendar to start their great march to return. And people might not know when we talk about Gaza, is that the majority of the population of Gaza are actually refugees. They are not the people of Gaza. They fled to Gaza from areas in proper Palestine. This is Yaffa, Ramle, Led, and the surrounding, Majdal, Asqalan, etc. 
and then they became refugees in Gaza. But this second or third or, or maybe fourth generation refugees decided uh, 71 years after Nakba that, you know, the time has come for us to just return peacefully, peacefully, I'll say it three times, peacefully towards our yeah. homes. And they did that. The first uh, week was in uh, on uh, the 30th of March last year. And every Friday there has been without any dis without any interruption there has been a march uh, but how did israel react to that nasser with um, brutal force i mean just crazy scary force you know whether it, in the first instance they raised mounds to give their snipers elevated shooting positions onto mm. unarmed do you civilians. remember the picture of the first weeks oh, where you know they were i mean it's just it's positions. really really sickening when you when you when you consider that um the weaponry they're using on Civilians, yeah. Um, we've seen pictures of kids with their legs blown off, you know, just the type of bullets used, just horrific uh, weaponry. And, you know, the reality of the, the Israeli military complex is, you know, this is part of their marketing campaign that all of their weaponry is battle tested. And when they say battle tested, it means they've killed Palestinian men, women, and children. And um, this um, is good stuff. You can use it on so your own populace. Im- imagine a presentation in uh, war related. Uh, uh, market, you know, where you turn up for the meeting and you say good morning and you have your coffee and then you start your presentation and your figures is that we have tested weapons mm-hmm. and these are the figures and we have seen... Uh, well, the uh, efficacy of this weaponry is so, you know, is better than the American stuff, better than the Chinese stuff, better than the Russian stuff. You get to sell more. We might be a little bit more expensive, but you know our stuff works. It's worth it. I mean, you know, you can only imagine what the sales pitch is like and the PowerPoint. It's so we are the laboratory, the human laboratory. Laboratory, yeah. For the occupation. And j- just before we leave Gaza, we should also mention that all of these people have been killed. There hasn't been a soldier charged with anything. If anything, they've been charged by becoming a national hero. And yeah. it's, you know, mm-hmm. celebrated. No as, celebrated yeah. instead of charged. I also want to mention uh, some of the people who we lost. Uh, we, lo- uh, we know the Palestinian paramedic Razan. Uh, Najjar. Yes, thank you, Nasser. Razan Najjar. A 22-year-old volunteer mm-hmm. who went with her white uh, lab, lab coat, coat yeah. and was targeted. Yeah. And according even to CNN, there was a report that there was no reason whatsoever. And the New York Times, yeah. And the New York Times, that there's no reason whatsoever that, uh, to, for the Israelis to think that Razan posed any form of threat. She's the not the soldiers. only one, though. There's hundreds of journalists, yeah, of course. Soldiers. Of course, every soul we lost is an important and yeah. is worth. Uh, but I wanted to mention uh, um, particularly Razan because she was uh, not just because she was a female or uh, um, just a volunteer trying uh, purely pa- innocent, para- yeah. paramedic. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, we lost uh, children. We lost elderly uh, men and women. Yeah. Basically, the Palestinian spectrum, the Palestinian s- social spectrum, every representative uh, was a victim in this, not only the Great March uh, return, but just another wave of brutality by Israel. Israel is reminding the world that it exists. When Israel says that we have the right to exist, I think what they mean is that this is our existence. We inflict more pain and horror on the defenseless peaceful protesters. And the rest of the world allowed to happen, including our government, mm. which is embarrassing. And we shouldn't forget Ibrahim uh, Abu Thayra. Uh, Ibrahim. And this is this is a, a Palestinian man who... Um, double lost amputee. It, double amputee in a wheelchair. Yes. 
um, you know, who wheeled himself to the fence. Mm. They, they even shot him. Yeah. I mean, what threat is a man, a double amputee in a wheelchair to, to the nuclear armed state with, of Israel? With, with just a flag. I think the soldier who decided to kill Ibrahim was intimidated by the power that Ibrahim held. Mm-hmm. This strength that, uh, you know... Morality. The morality, the power that this double amputee with a flag, this he overpowered the soldier that was armed to the teeth. Mm-hmm. And I think that intimidated him. And well, dry, the imp- and, and it shows the impotence, the impotence of, his, uh, of the power disparity. And made him go crazy and, you know, well, just decided... Who knows? There's no way this him. guy can go away and be a normal person. I can't imagine you can mm. shoot somebody in a wheelchair with no legs and, and let's, know, let's, go home and... You can't sleep at night. I mean, a normal person couldn't possibly. No. Even if you I'm do that for a few years, eventually it will hit you back. Uh, anyway. The, I, I want to just say that Ibrahim became a double amputee because of Israel. Of course. Not because of a car accident. No, no, no. So there was the 2014 war or 2009, yeah. I don't remember... And he beca- he lost his, bo- his both legs because of the Israeli hostility on mm-hmm. Gaza. So yeah. we'll definitely go back to... Well, we'll, do it. Um, we'll, we'll speak to some people from Gaza March 30 for, for the anniversary. Mm-hmm. But whilst that's happening in Gaza, the reality is the ongoing Nakba is occurring around mm-hmm. the rest of historic Palestine. Mm-hmm. And just this week, Mustafa Al-Haraf, this is a, a Palestinian journalist. He does some work... Um, uh, consultancy work and some photographic work for a, tu- a Turkish news agency in Jerusalem. He was born in Jerusalem, um, left for a little while, came back as a 12-year-old. His dad was born there. He's married to Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalemite himself. He's got a daughter. Um, for 20 years, the uh, uh, Minit- Ministry of the Interior of Israel has been denying his uh, um, citizenship, won't give him um, residency, excuse me, not citizenship, um, recently, they arrested him. They want to deport him to Jordan, where he doesn't have any family or any connections. Um, so he's appealed again. So we can only hope that uh, that Mustafa eventually finds some justice and is granted mm. a, a, a residency permit. This is for mm. you know the sad reality is he celebrates God on Friday. The celebrating yeah. God uh, with the wrong people. And if he only celebrated on Saturday, he'd be okay. But if you celebrate on Friday or Sunday. Or Sunday. Or Sunday. Or if you don't celebrate God at all. <laughs> uh, mm. I want to remind the listeners with Hatem Abu Asab, our uh, Palestinian uh, brother who was evicted from the house. He was born and he lived for, uh, he and his family for uh, more than 50 years uh, last week. We spoke about yeah, we uh, mm-hmm. the eviction last week. But uh, the people of Jerusalem, uh, unlike the people of uh, West Bank, they uh, Israel created another legal system that is Jerusalem only uh, legal system for example in uh, West Bank you either hold a Jordanian citizenship or a Palestinian Authority passport in Jerusalem you have a permanent residency an Israeli permanent residency but not a citizenship so compared to the Palestinian Israelis that you do not have an Israeli passport. So you're not Mm -hmm. a citizen, but you are a permanent resident. Now, having a PR or a permanent residency in the state does not qualify you to the levels of rights that, let's say, people of PR rights here in Australia. Because I went through this process when I migrated to Australia. You were on a visa, whether a student or something else, 
and then you you get your permanent residency and basically you ha you are entitled to everything when you get the PR except voting you are entitled to medicare you are entitled to certain to centrelink you are entitled to hicks services you can work in the government you can work in even some of the in, in pretty much everything but the only difference between pr and citizenship rights in australia is in voting or being candidate mm -hmm. uh, or running an election okay. But that's not the case. So when Israel says that these people are permanent residents of Israel, there is no comparison, no comparison. when it comes to the rights given to PR. Well, we should make sure that we delineate what no so comparison another, means. another illusion. It's another apartheid system. Yeah, but another they use level of control and separate based on ethnicity, religion, etc. Not to mention that their PR are revoked. Mm -hmm. There is a long list of reasons Absolutely. why people of Jerusalem can lose their permanent residency. One of them, if you leave Jerusalem for more than eight months. Yeah, and you can't prove that Jerusalem is the center of your life, or economic something. activity, etc. On top of which, you know, as you personally know with your own family, Yusuf, you know, mm -hmm. the family reunification. I mean, you know, yeah. any person can claim this uh, become, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're, that they're Jewish and obviously um, go back and get citizenship. But, uh, you know, a Palestinian... Uh, uh, citizen, citizen, full citizen of An Israel. An Israeli Palestinian. Israeli Palestinian can't marry. Cannot apply for a spouse visa. A spouse visa. And it used to be, they didn't say it's no longer uh, available. They just made it impossible to achieve. My brother's application has been waiting since 2013. Mm -mm. He's, well, he's, in he's two, been, longer than that. That's a new one. That's a baby one. Somehow, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> somehow they managed to meet and, you know, they... They managed to pro proliferate. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what they can't stop. But while we're on there, I mean, we've had 25 years now since the um, Al-Khalil Hebron Mosque uh, massacre. And we've got uh, 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 something exciting for our listeners in the coming weeks that we've been working on in the background. Surprise, surprise. It's a big surprise. But we should say, you know, what, it, what, what, what did that, um, uh, that massacre, Brooke Goldstein, the uh, Kach movement, the Kahani uh, mentality, where has that gone in 25 years? Because, you know, in, in a wonderful democracy, um, you wouldn't, we wouldn't have heard of these people anymore. They would have been gone and because, you know, we're an egalitarian society, things would have moved on. But not, not, not in um, our democratic, uh, democratic light unto nations, Israel. Because um, this, just this week, with the elections only, um, I think, about six weeks away, 9th yep. of April in Israel. Yeah. Benjamin Netanyahu, desperate to cling to power, has welcomed a merger between the Jewish Power Party and the Jewish Home Party. Mm. Um, and one of, the, one of the wonderful things that this wonderful democracy has done is they've got a threshold that if you don't get something of the order of 3% of um, the electorate to vote for you, then uh, you can't get a seat in the Knesset. Mm. And they um, put this uh, barrier in to get rid of all the micro-Arab parties. Hmm. Um, what, what that then meant was we had a, a, re a unification coalition. of the coalition of the Arab parties. The joint Arab list. The joint Brilliant. Arab list, Brilliant. which was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the unintended consequences hmm. was Jewish power and Jewish home, hmm. two terribly despicable, racist um, uh, parties, uh, who have their seeds in the Kahan Kach movement, mm. which is a banned terrorist organization, even inside Israel. It's banned. But these two parties would not meet the threshold of 3%. Mm. 
So Netanyahu helped them uh, form a coalition between Jewish Power and Jewish Home, and with the thought they believe that they will get over three percent together, mm. um, which will give him another another seat so that he can try and hold on to Anything power. Anything for power. Speaking of the Jewish uh, Power political party, the Otzma Yehudit leader Itamar bin Gvir, uh, he hangs in his wall in his living room a picture of the Jewish terrorist Baruch Goldstein. Now, this is according to an Israeli journalist who did an interview inside his house, and he saw he saw this portrait of not only Baruch Goldstein, but also a picture of the Ibrahimi Mosque with the minaret is about to fall. And when he asked him, why are you putting the picture of Baruch Goldstein he said, well, he was a great physician. He was a great doctor. So <laughs> I'm looking at the medical yeah. part of the story. And the journalist said, well, what does this minaret that's about to fall Got to have do with to his, do phys- with uh, his physician. Uh, medical uh, background? So this is the type of leaders that we might get in the cabinet. No, no. this, this and he, He's the true face of Zionism. Yeah. Let's not say that we might get. There is absolutely no question that this is Netanyahu's mindset. No question Benny Gantz. No mm. question... Um, Lieberman, no question uh, uh, Pellet, no question um, all of the, the, the very right-wing fascist Israeli government. I mean, when we talk about this Jewish power, APAC, which is Australia, uh, the America-Israel Public Affairs Committee, which is arguably the most the powerful, most powerful lobby, group. lobby group in America, they call Jewish power reprehensible. Yeah. I mean, even APAC calls them bad. Now, so, so you move to that point and you go, okay, wh- what about locally? The um, Zionist Federation of Australia went to, to an extent to release their own um, uh, press release denouncing it. You know, they, they, went, they um, were very uh, uh, political in saying, you know, we're, um, we're confident that the uh, Israeli electorate and the Knesset will take all the steps necessary to preserve Israel's Jewish and democratic character. I mean... I really love the Jewish and democratic character because as we you know, invented the word trilemma that The Economist has even taken up, the biggest challenge they always have is you know, they want to be Jewish, they want the land, and they want to be democratic. And they can have two of the, two of the three. They can't have all three. No. I mean, it's Jewish and land, but you're not democratic. Jewish, uh, democratic, but you can't have all the land. And you can have the land and be democratic, but guess what? It ain't Jewish, baby. It's going to be binational. Binational. So, I mean, some, some of the stuff, and even, even in America, Yusuf and Robert, um, we've got uh, members of the, the Senate saying, if these guys get in the power, they can't even come to the country. They can't get mm. visas into, uh, into, into America. But nevertheless... And arguably, you would say, if members of a ruling coalition government uh, prescribe terrorists, can't get on, uh, are on a no-fly list, can't get into the, the, the country of America... How could the country of America even speak to that government? Mm. Under mm. less pretense, they marginalized Hamas. Under less pretense, they laid siege to Gaza. Under less pretense, they've killed thousands of Palestinians seeking to peacefully return home. Under less pretense, you know, Gaza is 1,000 years behind the rest of the world. Tell me more about double standards. Why, why, why the double standards and the duplicity, the hypocrisy, is is just unfathomable. So this is the type of people that Netanyahu is trying to uh, make coalitions 
with. But on uh, one final note before we move on to another uh, topic, I uh, followed a bit of a debate online about the legacy of Baruch Goldstein mm-hmm. on Facebook, and I was interested. But uh, and and when I say debate, I mean within the members of some members of the Jewish community of Australia. Some of them were brave enough to denounce and to condemn the this person. Others were trying to basically well that gives oxygen to the wrong people. And uh, but my question, if you really are against the legacy of Baruch Goldstein, why cannot? his party be incriminated like in italy they incriminate the glorific the glorifying of mussolini mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. in germany they incriminate the glorification if this is the noun glorifying or no yeah, yeah absolutely of uh, hitler. hitler why can't israel incriminate mm-hmm. and or uh, make it illegal for people to publicly call baruch goldstein a hero how can they not do that they haven't they haven't but that this I, is this is my question and i think we we uh, uh, they owe us an answer they get a big congregation up there around his monument every mm-hmm. year i mean he's he's a celebrated human being mm. and he killed 29 people in a mosque when when he should be barbaric uh, incriminated well, no, he he should be absolutely uh, put in the same terrible crap basket of all these other mass murderers you know yeah. it's an evil evil human being so like you said uh, Nasser uh, we're preparing uh, a bit of a surprise on the uh, occasion of uh, the anniversary of uh, Ibrahimi mosque massacre but maybe next year or the week after so we are heading towards the second the 72nd anniversary of Nakba it's going to be in May this year and um, one of uh, my guests in the Arabic program, I am from there, I came to know that this person who lives in Haifa, Palestinian uh, living in Haifa, uh, he organizes um, visits to the uh, villages that we were driven out from and to the towns and to the cities. And uh, Just pause there, Yusuf. We should say uh, Salman Abu Sitta a fantastic uh, geographer, Palestinian, Palestinian geographer, yeah. has mapped all of those villages, the 500-plus villages that mm. were ethnically cleansed mm. at the time of the Nakba, where up to 800,000 Palestinians were driven from their homes. The lands of those villages, the vill- many of the villages themselves have been um, uh, populated, or they're depopulated, A, but B... Many humans haven't. Many of those villages, humans haven't gone there. In fact, the the Jewish National Fund has planted parks. Mm. You know, there's a John Howard Park, and on top of uh, on top of the the the, the remnants of those villages. Mm. So, for the refugees to return, many of them can go back to their lands. It's actually feasible. Absolutely, he's mapped out how something of more the order than, of ninety percent of more them. than more than eighty five percent of today's refugees. Can go home. Yeah, there there is room for all of us. In uh, absolutely, in, in, there in, is. There's room for both of us. So um, they are planning a visit to Safad, my mother's uh, family, and uh, they took the description of where my great grandfather's house was. And I had to call people in Sweden, in Germany, in Syria, in Saudi Arabia, and in Egypt to get the exact description of where our house was so it's happening in the coming few days i'm very excited mm, uh, of course it's painful exciting. it's painful but also it's full of excitement 
because we my mother tried she made it to the house but the the people inside refused to allow her one of my other relatives made it to the house and she was all again kicked out uh, this time we don't know what's going to happen but even by just going there and these people will show us facebook live uh, visits Beautiful. to the safad and uh, so 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 there will be many members of my family in four or five countries uh, online on facebook live looking or waiting for this uh, historic moment mm. to Very take exciting. place hopefully it will it will happen and i'm, yeah. I'm finding it difficult to talk about it with, but god uh, willing one day you yusuf or one of uh, your descendants we will go back and take our home back and even even though that we are one of the 15 percent we our family is not uh, the mainstream palestinian mm-hmm. refugees whose houses are still available uh, or let, not inhabited uh, by Jewish migrants. In our case, it is inhabited by Jewish migrants, and we know they are from. Uh, we know which. Uh, we'll, we'll give. We'll talk. Det- we'll, we'll give details later. So this is happening. Looking forward to it, and uh, the Palestinians will have to continue searching for their homes. We've spoken to Zena. We've spoken to Shams. We've spoken to. We were lucky enough and uh, uh, honored to have. Uh, uh, listen to stories where the second or third or fourth generation returns and tries to find the footsteps of uh, their grandparents. Uh, so um, one more thread to Nakba, but uh, looking forward to it. And the Nakba is yeah. ongoing, obviously. It hasn't finished and it's continue on today, yeah. tomorrow, until the world steps up. Yes, it's not a one-off uh, tragedy that hit the region and now we're living in the aftermath. There is a reminder of the ongoing Nakba, whether in occupied Palestinian territories in West Bank, in the besieged Gaza, in the ethnically cleansed Jerusalem, in the marginalized 48 areas, in the Nicholas countries around Palestine. And there are always initiatives, like, for example, in Jordan, as we speak, they are planning to have the biggest mural where they will uh, uh, they will call it the Jidariyat al-Auda, the mural of return. In Jordan, Jordan uh, in Palestinian camps in Jordan, they were bringing hundreds of Palestinian children who will write their names and their hometowns and villages and will reiterate the promise and uh, that we, we shall return. Yeah. We shall return. So, uh, uh, some news from from our village, from my village in in there the one in the uh, West Bank. It's a suburb just outside between Jerusalem and um, Ramallah. And for for many, uh, well, for many Palestinians, there the one is the Beverly Hills of the West Bank, and it's, it's that way because, because of the expatriate, uh, yeah, the expatriate community. So mm. the population of there the is about fifteen thousand people um, during the summer. And during the winter, uh, so, so during the northern hemisphere summer, during the other uh, nine months of the year, it's about 4,000 <laughs> when all the expatriates go back. And they come back for weddings and, you know, there's a wedding every day. Well, they've all made, not all of them, but many of them have made money in America and come back and built magnificent palatial homes in, in the West Bank. And when, just after Oslo, Gazans were, could get to the West Bank, and they they couldn't believe that this was a Palestinian village when they were driving mm. there. Palestinians can't live like this. I mean, they you know, third, fourth, fifth generation refugees in in uh, squalid living conditions, seeing you know five and six story mansions. 
Well, the last time I was there, I said, you know, it's really amazing how nothing, you know, it's like you're not occupied in here. Mm. You know, you go to any Palestinian village and all you see is um, pictures of uh, the martyrs. Martyrs, graffiti. But you enter Der de Buen and some of the villages around Der de Buen and you see advertising for orthodontists if you need braces. In a village. In, in our village. In yeah. West Bank. In the West Bank, yeah. It's polar opposite. Yeah, <laughs> absolute polar opposite. Anyway, um, you know, uh, Netanyahu's bolder. We've got Jewish power and Jewish home on the rise. Donald Trump. Uh, this month, in early February, in fact, uh, last month, early February, um, some uh, settlers from a nearby settlement, not that close, but they're not far, they're not long from coming. And I said to them, they'll be here. You're next, don't think just because you're quiet that they're not coming. They um, uh, graffitied the, the mosque, which is a seriously a beautiful mosque, mm. an unbelievable mosque for a town. Yeah. Such is the uh, the wealth in the in the village. Uh, they graffitied the mosque, uh, and were there was when they were the disturbed, they had poured kerosene on the mosque. So I think they were just very lucky that it didn't actually get burnt down. Oh, so this is in Der Debuan, not in Aida camp. This is Der Debuan, which is, you know, you go there and you think you're in California because the accents mm. are all thick American. There's uh, no there's no safe place for Palestinians in Palestine. Nope. Um, They'll probably be back then too. That's the worry. Isn't oh, it? no question. I mean, they, they've, had, they've had they've had half a house demolished, and so it's just a function of time. Nasser right? and Robert, I want to say thank you to one of our listeners, to all of our listeners, oh, but, in, but in particular to Patrick from Poland, Krakow, in Poland, who listens to our show religiously, and he's an academic and uses our show as a resource, Yusuf. Look, you, you don't want me to start ranting about uh, well, how important. Well, first the economist. <laughs> Now, now, now uh, an now academic Poland, in Poland. You know? Oh, my God. Patrick, Let's we love you. Do tune in next Saturday, same time, 9.30 in the morning. Until then, this is Yusuf Nasser and Roberto. <laughs> Wishing <laughs> you <laughs> the best, best of time. Of time. And salam. Bye. Bye-bye.